With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Saturday afternoon that... I was much more excited about than uh, than I than I ultimately got to experience. Oh well, it's the way it goes. Number one Gonzaga, ninety nine. Number three Iowa, eighty eight. Uh, tough loss for the Hawkeyes in a game where they just looked out of sorts in all sorts of ways, and you played against a team that uh, certainly, regardless of what Mark Few said this week, didn't seem to be lacking any chemistry or conditioning or speed, or ball handling. Uh, This is a very, very good team. Certainly the number one team in the country. Maybe has some distance there. And a player in Jalen Suggs who, you know, you run up against a guy like this every once in a while. My initial thing was Christian McCaffrey in the Rose Bowl. You run up against a guy who who has a day and is just the best player on the floor, and there's not a lot you can do about that. Um... Jalen Suggs with 27 points, 7 of 10 from three. Seven threes he made. A Gonzaga team that hadn't made 10 threes in a game since last December. Uh, made 10 in the first half today. And really pulled away from Iowa uh, in a stretch there in the first half. Where Iowa stopped hitting shots, played some interesting lineups, and couldn't get a stop. Gonzaga's a very good team. I was a very good team. Um, you know, I wouldn't let this hurt your outlook of the season or anything like that. They ran up against a better team today, and now they know where they uh, are lacking and what they need to do. And if you're going to beat teams of this caliber, well, for, if you're going to make a Final Four, or win a national championship, you're going to have to beat teams of that caliber. And if you're going to be able to beat teams of that caliber, you're going to have to play better defense. You're going to have to hit your shots. And you can't have an off night. Uh, In the NCAA tournament, you go home early. So, lot to be learned from that, and I'm sure Fran and the guys uh, will take a lot away from that. But, um, you know, the the positives is that Iowa stayed in the game and fought. it would have been easy down 20 in that second half to to fold up, say this isn't our day, and go home. And they really didn't do that. And you didn't expect them to, even though it would have been easy. Guys like Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, those guys, Joe Toussaint, those guys don't, don't give up. They're not going to. Uh, so it was good to see Iowa get back in the game and then had several chances to make it a close game, put some pressure on Gonzaga, see what would happen. 
and just weren't able to hit shots. Uh, didn't get Luca Garza the ball enough down the stretch. Jordan Bohannon, who we will spend some time talking about, uh, hucked up a couple of really questionable threes. Now they're threes he's made before and situations he's made them before. Um, but you can't count on that. And when you're trying to close a 10-point gap with you know three and a half minutes left, you can't be chucking threes from five feet behind the line when you got the best big man in the country. See, I stopped myself there. The best big man in the country down low. Garza is still probably the front runner for National Player of the Year. Jalen Suggs was the best player on the floor Saturday. Um, this this starts with team stats. Usually I'll go through kind of the box score first, but this the team stats is, is where it's at. This tells the story. I was 4 of 22 from three-point. That's less than 20% on three-point shooting. You know, you make half of those misses, and this is a whole different ballgame. Gonzaga ended up 13 of 26, but again, had 10 of those in the first half and, and really kind of pulled away at that point and made it a different game. You know, if it's a slugfest, as it was the first five, eight minutes, it was really an intense start to the game. It was fun. felt like these teams belonged on the floor together. Gonzaga was a little sloppy at times, but and even though Iowa wasn't hitting a bunch of shots, um, it felt like this was what the game was going to be. And then Gonzaga went on that run. Iowa couldn't score, couldn't stop them. And it changed the the outlook of this game or, or the, the way this game needed to be played from then on. Iowa was going to be playing from behind the rest of the game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So the three-pointers is uh, is one of the big stories of the game. The free-throw line is right there as well. 14-26 to 26 from the free-throw line. Missed a couple of front ends of one-on-ones. One-on-ones. Missed a couple of, you know. You go to the, the free-throw line, you come up empty. That that just hurts so bad. Um, so just, you know, just over 53%. Now, Gonzaga didn't shoot great from the free-throw line either. 14-24. to 24. Uh, So, you know, could have been a worse game had they had a better night from, from the stripe. But I was going to have to... I'll be able to hit those free throws. Where was uh, where was Luca Garza from the free throw line? Four of seven, so not terrible for him by any means. Um, but you know, Nunji being a two two for two of five from the line, you, you can't have that off the bench if you're you're going to be that big guy who comes in. You, you're going to have to score every time you you have the chance to do so. Um, another kind of team stat that jumps out of the page at you is rebounds. Iowa got out rebounded forty nine to thirty eight. Um, the offensive rebounds, the 16 offensive rebounds they gave up to Gonzaga felt huge, almost every one of them. It gave Gonzaga uh, another chance to, to score, and, and a lot of times they were able to do that. And then 33-24 to 24 on the defensive glass, uh, Gonzaga advantage there. That's hard to overcome. Gonzaga had 25 assists, Iowa just 16. Iowa had been a great assist team up until today. Um, 12 turnovers for the Hawkeyes, 18 for the Zags. And uh, and again, that that kind of tells the story of the game. But I, I I don't want this to turn into a negative podcast because I don't think 
what happened today was an overwhelming negative. It certainly isn't great. Iowa will fall in the rankings, uh, and they'll head into Big Ten play with that loss. But, again, didn't get run out of the gym. And maybe this team needed a little punch in the face. You know, they this was a team that's very confident, very high on their potential, thinks they can win a national championship. You're going to have to beat that team again if you want to win a national championship or you know, beat them once. And so maybe this resets their focus a little bit as they head into Big Ten play because Big Ten play is not going to be easy either. Wisconsin boat race Louisville today. We know Illinois and Michigan State are very good. I'm sure other teams will, will surprise and jump up. It's going to be a weird season, and so who knows what can happen in the conference. Maybe this was a good thing, ultimately, for the Hawkeyes to have a game like this and and need to learn some lessons from it. Let's go through that box score here quickly. Garza, Garza was great. He always is. Um, he, he 30 points, 10 rebounds against the best team in the country. Uh, that's that's saying something. He, he played well. Um, you know, what, what else can you say about Luca Garza? The other guy who played really well, maybe the only other guy. No, that's not true. Joe Toussaint played well. The other guy who played really well that we kind of all expected to play really well was, uh, Joe Wieskamp. Just eight of 16 from the floor and and three of eight from three. Had a big three late that would have been a big momentum changer had he been able to hit that. Wasn't able to. So that's, that's, that's an issue. He didn't shoot great. One of three from the free throw line. So a big part of, uh, not a big part, but a part of why Iowa struggled from from there as well. But nine rebounds for Wieskamp, four assists, three steals. He was kind of all over the place and and really the only steady shooter of, of Iowa's. And again, that's doesn't say much when a guy who shot 50% and three of eight from the three-point line, I, I step away from the game and say, well, that, that was our steady shooter. That's because C.J. Frederick, two of seven and, and one of three from three-point, and he didn't play a whole lot and, and just wasn't a big impact in this game, didn't make a big impact in this game. If I was going to fulfill their potential, C.J. Frederick has to make an impact in every game. And then Jordan Bohannon, who he, he played horribly. He had a bad game. He had a bad day today, J-Bo did. Uh, four turnovers, some of them ugly, some of them on – you know, easy, fast break situations for the Hawkeyes where he just threw the ball away. Just two points for Bohannon, 0 of 5 from 3. And again, a couple of those threes were really ill-advised shots. 1 of 8 from the field. You know, 3 assists. Just didn't didn't look good. Didn't play well. Uh, and, and then wasn't able to shoot out of it. You know, shooters shoot out of slumps. And we've seen Bohannon have rough first halves and rough you know, most of games and then come out of it and hit a couple of big shots. I think that's what he was looking for late in the game, and it just didn't happen today. Uh, in that in that same position, though, was Joe Toussaint, who did play well. 6 of 11 from the field, but that doesn't really tell the story of his 14 points because he is so quick. And there was a period there where him driving to the hoop was Iowa's only legitimate offense. And when you look at those two today... I think you start to get closer to the conclusion that I came to before this season started that I talked about on this podcast, I talked about on the radio show, 
And it's hard for me to say because Jordan Bohannon is maybe my favorite Hawkeye basketball player of all time. But I think Joe Toussaint needs to start. He just provides a different dynamic for this team defensively and offensively. He's so quick. When he develops a shot, if he's able to develop a shot, watch out. I know he doesn't provide the same offensive capabilities that Bohannon does, but Bohannon hasn't had a good season so far. Um, He had the great game against North Carolina where he hit a bunch of shots, but I think it's really time to start looking at this starting lineup, and if not make a change there, uh, certainly make it a point to get Joe Toussaint in the game very quickly and get him a lot of minutes. Another guy off the bench who had a pretty good game, Jack Nungy. Uh, just 4 of 10 shooting, and at one point had taken the most shots in the team, which just shouldn't happen. I mean, I get that he was open a lot of those times, but you, if, if you're Jack Nungy, you shouldn't shoot the ball every time you touch it, probably. Um, he had 10 points, 0 of 2 from 3, 6 rebounds. Uh, 8 rebounds, I'm sorry. 6 offensive rebounds. So so big on the offensive glass from him. Jeez, that doubles up. I mean, Iowa had 14 offensive rebounds, and Nungy had 6 of those. So... You know, a good game in that area for him. But again, if your offense is running through Jack Nungy at any point in a game like this, it's probably not a good thing. Uh, Keegan Murray and Patrick McCaffrey also played off the bench and and neither really made a a real big impact in this game. The bottom line is Gonzaga's a really, 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 really good team. I think Iowa is a really good team. They're a better team. But if Iowa had hit a few more shots, had rebounded the ball a little bit more, had caught a couple of more breaks, had had a few, you know, fewer ticky-tack fouls early in the game. I think CJ essentially getting first half fouled out, you know, Fran McCaffrey fouled out early in that first half was an issue. He didn't come back and I would I think I was leading when he got his second foul and was we're down what 15 at halftime, something like that. So this certainly doesn't tank the season. It doesn't mean things are over, and it doesn't really change anything for this Hawkeye team. I don't think anybody thought they were going to go undefeated. And if you're going to lose a game, losing an 11-point game on a neutral floor to the best team in the country isn't anything to be too upset about. Looking ahead, Tuesday night, Carver-Hawkeye Arena against Purdue. The, the last sporting event I attended was Purdue at Iowa late last season just before the Big Ten tournament and just before the world shut down. Um, Iowa got run out of its own gym that night, so maybe some revenge here for the Hawkeyes uh, when Purdue comes to town on Tuesday. Then you're at Minnesota Friday, and uh, and off we go in the Big Ten. You got um, you know, a, a ranked Rutgers team on the second and then you know where's like the, where's where's the big stretch? There must be a couple of big stretches here, and yeah, there it is. The end of July or J- July, the end of January through middle of February, when you're at Illinois, home against Ohio State, at Indiana, home against Rutgers, at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. There it is. That your your Big Ten will be decided in that stretch, most likely. Um, so here we go. Buckle up. You know, the season is, is just getting going now. I think we know this team is a very good team capable of competing, if not winning the Big Ten and making a deep run in the in the NCAA tournament. Let's hope they learn something from this game. Let's hope they you know figure a few things out. Let's hope 
they keep their heads up. Let's hope they make the adjustments they need to make and uh, and don't get too down on themselves. We certainly won't get too down on them uh, here. Check out HawkeyeNation.com. We will have this game and future games covered fully as well as tomorrow's bowl announcement. Uh, where will I will be going? Who will they be playing? Will Kirk Ferentz be available? Uh, we will learn all of that and have all this covered again with John Bonacamp and Rob Howe and Rick Brown and Lucy Rodine, Joe Hugan, myself. We'll have podcasts and, and everything going on uh, throughout the rest of uh, this weekend into next week and uh, and onward. So we appreciate you, your support of HawkeyeNation.com, and I thank you for listening to this podcast. Go Hawks! <laughs>